Hi, everybody. I'm Rick Dancer. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. Well, guess what? We may have a, a white Christmas, um, I understand. And um, for uh, and it's not just I'm just it's not just talking about Montana. I'm talking about Oregon and Idaho and Washington. And there's a bunch of cold air coming in. Now, you folks in Oregon, you can, you know, complain about the, the cold and the snow. Uh, but wait till you see the lows coming to Montana. <laughs> everybody's going to be, I've been looking back there going, I need all my, my fuzzy pants that are all cozy on the inside. And I'm going to be lining my body with all kinds of uh, warm things. Um, our show tonight is sponsored by uh, Chris Dental Family Dentistry, where everyone is welcome. And also they are now a denture center as well. Um, they have a denturist on staff, so you can go in there and get that done. And it's a really good time to get in and get that done right now, because especially if you've used up your um, deductible for the year, and you have a toothache or you have a crown that you know needs to be replaced or something, they can get you in and get it done before that. And you can get it billed and make your insurance company pay for it instead of you. <laughs> Kathy and I are going ape. That's why she's having her eye surgery this week um, is because we're going to get that all taken care of while the deductibles met. Also tonight, Albert Taylor, uh, Endless Possibilities, always looking for folks uh, who are looking to change their career, find a job that works with people with different abilities great organization. At the end of the show, I'll have a, a little blurb from each one of these so you can kind of get a better idea of who they are and what they do. And our other sponsor is BS Free MD. And Tim and May uh, have a great show that's going to drop on Thursday. They have, their podcast comes out every Thursday. They're doctors. They're married. They're out of Oregon. And they're not afraid to talk about controversial topics. Um, so they can help you get your help. And I think this week they're talking about um, a healthier lifestyle, which is um, something we can all kind of look into. So uh, Bill London is going to be joining us in a few minutes uh, live from Eugene, Oregon, to talk about news items that are of concern to him. And you guys can ask questions, too, while you're at it. And uh, but we're going to go quickly right now to Brian Miskivis, and he is in live in Polson, Montana. So. Brian, we got some stuff coming up here um, weather-wise for Oregon, for Washington, Idaho, Montana. We're all going to get kind of knocked around a little bit here, aren't we? I was going to say, Rick, you know, you mentioned a bunch of cold air coming to the region as opposed to a bunch of hot air that's coming right now. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, between you, me, and Bill London, there's enough hot air to go around for I was going to say, it might keep the cold front away. Who knows? Yeah, that's a, we, you know, hey, we, I, I turn a lot of people off. <laughs> you know, it was interesting, Rick. So last week we, we were, took a family vacation over to the islands and got back, uh, drove into the driveway at about 2.30 this morning. And... Uh, I was joking when I was texting my neighbor who was watching our house, and I said, hey, because uh, I'm a huge snow lover, I make no qualms about it. And it felt very odd being, and it was such a tropical climate for a week. And I said, am I still going to have snow to come home to, or is it all gone? And he goes, oh, no, there's still quite a bit of snow. And so we're driving in last night, and oh, yeah, there's still a fair amount. And so then this morning, I'm getting up, drinking my coffee, and I'm looking, and I go, oh, yeah. There's snow, but there's more on the way. So uh, definitely, it's an interesting pattern, Rick. I can't remember a time where we've actually had just weeks on end of continuous cold and snow, even since I've lived here in Montana. I remember a time, and it was Mar February into March of 19. It was way, well pre-pandemic, a year pre-pandemic. And by the time I got done out here at our radio station, we had... Uh, six to seven to eight foot snow drifts in our parking lot. You know, I, I was talking to a guy at the gym and he said that he heard on the radio that it's the, it's the, 
this is the most, the coldest it's been for the longest spell in Montana in like mm -hmm. 60 years or something like that. Yes. And, and then they're all talking about being minus 20, 25 next week. And I'm like going, oh, geez, that's. that's oh, I had a buddy of mine that lives around the corner from me and he goes, he's a huge snow lover. And he goes, snowmageddon next week. And I said, I'm not ruling it out, but I said the the bigger story, really, the cold temperatures, especially for you guys over in Townsend, Rick. I mean, that I mean, it is we're talking about just a lot of cold air. So I'm going to get right to the maps here. And uh, if I if I switch this around wrong here, Rick, uh, the, 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 oh, that's right. I can't do this on this app. So bear with me just one second. You I'm turned pause. the move around last time and you did a great I, job. I, I, now it's all coming back to me now because that there, song said. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Is that purple? Is that it? So purple is snow. So uh, I'll kind of walk you through so you can understand what map we're looking at. First of all, this is the European model. Second of all, this is Tuesday, December 13th at 1500. So this is actually already come and gone. So 1500 Montana time is approximately 7 a.m. our time. Approximately, I say, because I always, because of the time change and standard time and daylight saving time, it's give or take an hour. But I'm just going to advance this through. We're going to take you through the next 24 hours. So we're going to walk you all the way into Wednesday morning. I'm going to pause at the same time. No Notice tomorrow morning, a weak cold front dropping in out of the north. Nothing going on over the I-5 corridor. Really pretty calm. From Missoula, making its way down towards Great Falls, towards you and town. Let's advance this a little bit further. I'm going to pause this. This is now about 11 o'clock tomorrow morning. You can now see snow overriding much of the region. Still not quite almost to your region, Rick, but not quite there. Uh, Flathead Valley, Missoula Valley, as well as Mission Valley now all under the light snow band. And that projects is projected to continue all the way into the afternoon. Now, as we go into the afternoon, it starts to move in to the Townsend area. Whoops, hit the end of the map. I went too far. Let me back up a step there. Now I'm going to pause this Thursday, or excuse me, Wednesday afternoon. This is now the 4 to 5 o'clock hour. You can now see Bozeman up towards Great Falls, Helena, everybody under the moderate, light to moderate snow. Uh, some occasional wind, not expecting a whole lot of wind with this particular system. We're going to advance this all the way into Thursday now. Thursday, just scattered snow showers. Really a pretty calm Thursday across all of the northern Rockies. And we're going to take us all the way into Friday. Same thing. Pretty calm, pretty cool. I mean, continued cold, but, I mean, nothing major. Now, what's got my attention is moving into next week. Of course, next week, Christmas week. Now, here we are Sunday morning. I'm going to stop mm -hmm. this at 7. 7 a.m. Here we are, or excuse me, 5 a.m. Sunday morning. And there you go. Now it just advanced on me. Uh, seven Between 7 and 8 a.m. Sunday morning, here comes the next band of cold. Now, one meteorological tip, I'll just tell you, anytime you see lines this tight together, that always means wind. And anytime this time of the year when you see the lines coming in from the north like that, that always means cold weather as well. Missoula to Kalispell Sunday looks to be a snowy time at this point and starting to work its way over towards those of you in Townsend. But it's going to be really interesting, Rick, where this area of low pressure sets up because what's happening is actually we've got two different systems interacting. We've got moisture streaming in from the west-southwest courtesy of the Pacific. But we also have all this bitterly cold air pushing in from the north. Where those two meet up, that's where we're going to see the heaviest snow band set up Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. This particular model saying, hey, northwest Montana for the brunt of this is under the gun. That's Missoula, uh, north of I-90, up towards Kalispell, Eureka, Libby, also over towards Haver. Now, we're going to advance this a little bit further. Now, we're going to pause this. This is now 
Wednesday or Sunday night, excuse me, Sunday night, Monday morning, 1 a.m. You can see more snow and cold air continuing to pour in. There's area of low pressure that is starting to track. That's one area of low pressure that's starting to track a little bit off to the east as it does so. Here comes more cold air and more moisture. Now, as we get into now, we're into Monday afternoon, Tuesday. More moisture starting to stream over towards you and Townsend. Rick, now we're going to move a little bit further, take this map a little bit further. Here comes even more cold air. You see those really deep purples starting to move in from the northeast. Now, the other thing I want to draw your attention to, follow this line. What's that over Eugene and Springfield? That's right, right on the boundary there between snow to the north and rain to the south. And this would be Monday night going into Tuesday. So I had somebody message me, hey, is it possible the I-5 quarter ends up with a white Christmas? It's possible. This is now Tuesday morning, 11 a.m. There we are, Eugene, Springfield under the gun, some moderate to heavy snow moving in and uh, extending a line all the way south of the Tri-Cities into Missoula, Great Falls, Bozeman, Billings, that entire line of moisture. Now we're going to stream it a little bit further south, or excuse me, a little bit further along. And now we're into Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday morning. The snow showers continue over northwest Montana. And here we go. Look at that. Look at those winds just south of you, Rick. Very tight, uh, what we call isobars. That means a lot of wind coming to that area as we go into later next week. And even colder air continuing to pour in. Now, one other pause here. This is now Wednesday morning at 5 a.m. An area of low pressure tracking right by the Columbia River. That's definitely going to mean the potential for some snow in the Seattle-Tacoma area, Everett, up towards Victoria, and also possibly even to the Portland and Vancouver area. And that's, and and, that's next Wednesday. Next yep, week. yep. We're looking way out here. I'm just doing this to give <laughs> oh, people the general, the general idea that what we're talking about is and, – and actually, while I was in Hawaii, I was kind of following along on some of the maps. And the Weather Service, they, I, they always have this – put something out every afternoon called the Forecast Discussion. It's a really good tool. You can just type in weather.gov and go to your, type in your zip code. They always have a really good discussion. And they actually, for Montana, they put out a blurb over the weekend talking about the fact that there, there is the potential, especially for here in the Rockies, for this to be a not only cold, but severe cold episode. Yeah, like minus 25, I saw. Yeah. So oh. definitely it's, it's going to be a Christmas that uh, Santa will definitely be wearing multiple layers as well, he flies into Montana next all week. All I can say is, thank God we don't we care about energy in this country. <laughs> so that my propane, I filled my propane tank. It's 500 gallons. Oh, no. And, and they didn't fill it all the way because they, they don't. You know, they go 90% or something. Okay. It was, it was almost $800. Well, that's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I was going to get 1500 2000 but I'm burning woods, wood downstairs in the wood stove, and then I'd let that come upstairs. I got a whole system, box fans. Oh, all. yeah, you have to. Yeah, I mean, uh, that's that's the thing. You yeah, all, I really mean, it's, it's wood, there's nothing like wood heat. I'll say that. I We've got a wood stove as well, and it's it's fantastic. I'm and after I'm learning how this fire thing works, and I can start it. I have no problem anymore, and it just – I keep, you know, I go down, I have it timed and my watch goes off. I go down, cut, put another couple of logs on and we just keep that. So I don't do that at night, but if I wake up to, you know, go to the bathroom yeah. and get older, that happens. Yeah. I'll run down, stick a couple logs on there and away it goes. Oh yeah. No, it's, it's wood heat is the only thing I find is, uh, is make sure you always, if you have like, cause the air around here is so dry is just making sure you like, you keep a good pot of 
of water on the stoves to help humidify the air a little bit. Oh, but, that's a good idea. So, yeah. Brian, let's get you back um, sometime. We'll talk later this week, but early next yeah. week to kind of give us a glimpse of what's going on, Eugene, Springfield, Oregon. Um, you got it. And then to kind of go through it. Okay, buddy? All right. Hey, thanks, Rick. Safe travels. Uh, see you later. Thank you. So there you go. Eugene, Springfield, you guys might get some snow next week, Oregon, um, Portland especially. And uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, here in Montana, we're just going to freeze our ass off. <laughs> Hey, Bill, how does that sound to you? Minus 25 degrees. Isn't that awesome? No. I don't think I I'll have... avoid that. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I remember last Christmas we came to visit my kid in Livingston and it was minus like 18 or something. And you'd go outside and you just literally like you'd breathe. And you, we were trying that, you know, you'd see like crystals. It was unbelievable. And your nose hairs would just burn. Because it was so cold. So you won't you don't really run a lot, like do jogging or anything like that when it's when right. it's that cold. Now I spent some time up in the interior of Alaska uh late in December one year. And you know, the average daytime high was I think twenty below and at night it was getting down to thirty. And as we were driving down the Alcan in the Yukon, we had one night where it was fifty-six below. And that was utterly insane. Yeah. It was horrific. I don't suggest that for anybody. So and, so, and you're talking about, you know, how you can see the crystals and stuff. You spend much time out at 20, 25 below, and you end up with what I referred to as snot sickles in your actual mustache. It was like one of the grossest things ever. I, I've been out just walking around with my beard and I'll just from breathing, you just hear it, it's all crystallized. You know I mean? There's, there's oh. ice all over it and you don't really don't feel it until all of a sudden you go inside and you're like, Oh my gosh, look at that. So speaking of Chile, um, what's going on in Oregon news wise? What are the stories? I like getting on you on here once a month and kind of you and I just kind of have a fun time. Well, I guess right now, um, I mean, today, a Harney County judge, and he has spent a lot of court time today um, <clears throat> hearing motions regarding Measure 141, or pardon me, 114. And he made a decision in open court that he was going to extend the ban on uh, the permitting process until either the state can come up with some sort of actual, conceptual, usable, workable plan for the permitting. And when I left work, uh, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour ago, he was still hearing arguments about whether to continue to stay on the uh, magazine ban. Uh, and if you recall, I guess it was last week, yeah, I think it was last week. Uh, he put a stay on Measure 114, not based on the U.S. Constitution, but based on the Oregon Constitution, which is a little bit more general and open than what the U.S. Constitution says, where it talks about militia. This is just every citizen has the right to own a gun for uh, defense and protection of the state. What's so, so interesting? We What's don't so know. I, I don't know at this point if he's made any decision yet on the magazine. This is a huge deal. And people get are so riled about this. 
I mean, in, in my opinion, rightly so, because it's, it's, it is starting to infringe on people's rights to, to own a gun and what you can do with it. And I, I don't think, what do you think people are going to do? Do you think, I mean, will sheriffs enforce it? Will people actually abide by it? Do they care? Well, I mean, if you're going to buy a gun in the state, I mean, unless you're going to what the state would consider to be illegally buy it from, say, a neighbor, a friend or something like that, you're going to have to get the permit to buy it. Um, because if you don't and something should happen and you were found to have bought that gun without a permit, you're putting yourself in trouble. Right. As far as the magazines right now, uh, I mean, you talk to gun store owners. Um, the uh, companies that make the different magazines, whether it's the actually like aftermarket gun magazines or uh, even factory made, they're not sending anything over 10 rounds to Oregon. You can't get them. I had a friend who tried to order one online, and this was just a couple of days before the 114 hypothetically went into effect, and they won't ship them to Oregon. So... At this point, I mean, will people abide by it and will sheriffs enforce it? The sheriffs are, I mean, some of them probably not are going to enforce the magazine uh, restrictions on it unless somebody were to break a law with a gun that had a magazine that held more than 10 rounds. That's something they can stack on top of charges. But for your average guy that goes out, you know, onto BLM land and decides that he's going to do some target practicing, I doubt most sheriff's agencies are going to enforce that. Tom Hunt um, says on here, right now I can own my Glock and I have it at home or at a shooting range, but it may not be legal to drive it to the range. I also don't know if my shotgun can be driven to go bird hunting. Well, supposedly, you if you're going hunting, you're allowed to use, you know, one of those larger magazines. And I understand what he's talking about, because like a pump shotgun where it's tube fed, um, technically, they could be considered not legal under the law, mainly because they have these little shorty rounds that are, I think, an inch and three quarters uh, that you can put in there. And so a, a long tube, you could feed potentially more than, uh, you know, 10 rounds into them. Um, so I get where he's coming from, but you can still use them for hunting according to ballot measure 114. So what, what do you think is going to happen after the first of the year? Kotex going to get sworn in. Um, how much is going to change, do you think, with her? And also, um, in terms of um, the legislative makeup, explain to people what the difference is now because there's no longer a supermajority. Well, uh, what that means is, is that the Democrats in the legislature, when they had a supermajority in both houses, they could pass any tax bill they wanted to as long as, you know, all the Democrats fell in line, which, of course, they did. So they can pass any tax increase they want to. Without the supermajority, they can't do that anymore unless Republicans are going to buy into it. Right. And as long as the Republican caucus holds, I don't think that's probably going to happen. So that's really going to be the main difference uh, in the legislature is going to be dealing with tax issues. 
Um, Jim Torrey comes on and says, there's no question that local reporting is a thing of the past in Eugene and the local area. And I think that's because I put on the, the tease the, to get into it. One of the few people, Bill's going to join us to talk about news, and he's one of the few people still does it. Um, I think people are real frustrated with um, legacy media, and I'm seeing it all over the place where people just don't know where to go for information anymore. Um, a lot of it is, you know, I don't know what it is about local media. I mean, I know that with the Register Guard, the majority of their reporters, the few that they have, aren't even in junior. Uh, they're all part of the USA Today network. And, you know, they got people in other states that are trying to collect news. The other thing is with the television news, they never really did that good of a job reporting on local politics. No. And they don't even really do anything with it now. Um, and I don't know if it's because the, the majority of the reporters are really young, whether it's the old saw, if it bleeds, it leaves. If it's considered boring, whether the topics are too complicated to get into a 45 second to 60 second package. I mean, who knows? I, yeah, I think it's, um, I, it used to be, though, back in the day where I remember we, even as news department, had somebody at the city council meeting, somebody at the county commissioner's meeting, um, you know, and then it got less and less of that because the more news grew and became more entertainment, uh, the more people said, well, those things don't rate very well. But I think there's a, a you know, I find here in Montana, like in a small town, I don't watch TV, so um, I don't see any of that. But um, the little papers in the town. <laughs> okay, so Bill, I'm in a town of 2,200 people, and we have two newspapers um, in 2,200 people. Because because one is a super um, conservative and just a good reporter. The guy is great. He kind of reminds me of you. He just goes after it, but he doesn't even try to be to soft pedal anything i mean at all and then the other one's more it's a good paper too i'm not knocking it um but it, it seems to be a little less um kind of grabbing into it and stuff but everybody in town it's kind of like a little smiley thing and it, you know but at least i'm going small papers in, the, in in helena the small papers and stuff i think are starting to survive more because you you know, for me, I go down and get it just so I can figure out what's going on in town and what what the county commissioners are doing and all that. And I love that that's coming back. I think it's harder for a big town because you uh, you have an audience that wants who knows what they want. I don't know. Right. Um, I was going to say another thing, and I came across this. So the DEQ in Oregon is coming up with a series of rules for businesses to get their employees to uh, drive 10% or more less per year. This is and DEQ. The DEQ, the Oregon Department of Environmental Quality. And this will be something that will be put on businesses. And I saw this like you've got to be kidding they're in the process of creating these rules now i don't know if there's going to be uh some sort of fine or tax or user fee involved in this but 
the way that it works is the goal is to get businesses in cities, and this would also include government entities, of 10,000 or more to reduce their employees' mileage by 10%. And they're creating this menu of things that they can do. And each one of these menu items is, for instance, worth a certain amount of points. And the idea is they want the smallest of business, those with, you know, uh, 100, I think it's 100 to 150 employees to get at least 50 of these points. And I'm not sure of the enforcement of this, but I can tell you what some of the things are. You can get more points if, for instance, in a metro area, this would be more apt, like Portland, if you stop paying for your employees' parking. So some businesses, as you know, right. part of your job, they'll, your... they'll pay for your parking spot. Um, that would be worth 50 points. Other things is to have your employees only work in the office two and a half days a week. Um, setting up uh, electric charging stations at your place of work. So there you get was, based uh, on how much ass you kiss. What? <laughs> so you, what get, you, say? you get points on based on how much ass you ass kiss. You kiss. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how is this even possible? Let's Mac say you've got a manu let's say you've got a manufacturing job. You can't work from home in a manufacturing job unless you're in management. Well then you your can't your frontline workers have to be on the line. So then they don't get the points bill. Right. They're not as good. They're not as socially they don't get social points, credit points. Well, and if you think about it, neither do let's say lower paying jobs, like folks that work in restaurants people that say work in hotels that are housekeepers. I mean, you know, landscape or landscapers. I'm just looking at this going, when did they start this? And they haven't come out with the final guidelines yet, but the goal is for employers to force essentially their employees uh, to not be on the road. Well, Matt and, Kendall wrote on here, employee comp, it's the employee commute options is a mandatory program for large employers. Under this program, if you have more than 100 employees, you must commute options to employees, <clears throat> offer commute options designed to reduce the number of cars especially around the Portland area. And then he put another one up here who said, is there a penalty for not complying? Yes. DEQ requires an employer to demonstrate good faith effort. This means an employer must survey employees and submit and implement a reasonable trip reduction plan. God, this is sounding like big brother watching over where I drive and what I do. What a bunch of horse shit. Is that just uh, in Oregon? That This is Oregon. Yeah. Um, what, what he, he mentions large employers in Portland Metro, this is for, they're working on it for any city or town with a population 10,000 and above. So yes, most definitely Portland would be a part of that, as would Eugene and Salem. But you take a look at some areas like, say, Baker City, yeah. you know, over in eastern Oregon. Uh, 
or Central Oregon. I mean, it it is Big Brother. And I haven't seen anybody really talking about this. Um, one of the other things that you can do to get points is you can actually hire somebody whose job it is to uh, basically work on these initiatives in your workplace. Like, okay, you're having a hard time hiring anyways. And with the way things are getting, probably a lot of people, if we hit a recession, are going to lose their jobs. And you're supposed to go out and hire somebody that's going to be wandering around surveying your employees. Did you drive less today? Have you worked from home this week yet? How I much mean, did you drive? Did, did, I mean, I would say go to hell. You're not going to get my information from me. That is so bizarre. Okay, so I had this weird call in. <clears throat> this reminds me of something else. It's I'm not going to be real specific. It has to do with farming and ranching. And no. it's carbon, so it's carbon credits. So they, they these companies, um, like, let's just, because I, I, I have a company that's doing this, but I don't want to mention that company. I don't want to get myself in trouble. But let's say uh, Bill London's um, clothing manufacturing business. Okay. Um, you can't actually get to zero as a clothing manufacturer um, in terms of carbon points. You can't get there. So what you do is you pay for other people to get your carbon credits. So you're paying somebody else, which is a good thing. You're paying somebody to, to be able to, maybe they can do something different with their ranching. I had somebody call me up and do that. And I wouldn't do a story with them. <laughs> I'm like, no. And then I said, so wait, so, so Bill's London's clothing store gets to brag and say, we are 100% carbon free, carbon pure. When we're not, we're just paying for points. So we're paying so somebody else can do some carbon work so that I can boast and tell everyone and put it on my marketing plan that I am 100% carbon free. That is such a bunch of horseshit. It's a, just well, a that's, big lie. That's the whole, I mean, that that is what you just described is cap and trade. You cap emissions and the trade part of it is you trade these emission credits. I, I mean, don't this is this is what shut down the legislature two years running a few years a couple well, of years they fixed, ago. they fixed that bill because they you know with the whatever whichever measure that was that you can't walk out now you have to be there certain so they fixed that which another policing the state kind of idea it's unbelievable that people don't understand this better and what it's going to do to them because how much is that going to cost people really i mean in the big you got to have people to do that you got to have i mean it's 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 all like feel good kind of stuff you know hey look it sounds well, really it's going to be expensive rick yeah because because the way that it's supposed to work is that over incremental periods of time the government or whoever they choose to allocate these carbon credits they're going to start reducing the amount of carbon credits available and you know, you know as well as I do, what is that going to mean? That means the cost of each one of those credits is going to be more expensive. Right. Um, and it is. It's 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 a scheme. Well, it's a lie. It's a scam. I mean, if you if somebody came to you and said, hey, I got this idea and did the equivalent um, in, in something else, you know what I mean? You would sit back and go, well, no. That doesn't, that doesn't what? So it's, it, and it's all virtue signaling. So I'm going to put money into the cattle business so that they can have fewer cattles on this ranch. And then I'm going to claim in my clothing business that I'm 
I'm 100% carbon neutral. And it's like, you know, you realize that New Zealand instituted a uh, fart tax on cattle, right? Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I'm glad they don't do that here. (laughs) Every time you fart, you have to pay. (laughs) You know, so I wonder if men would have to pay more than women. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. I think they're just more discreet than we are. <laughs> oh, they hide it better. So you know what would you know what would go away though, Bill, with a fart carbon tax. What would go away is men when they're you know when we're like bragging and really you know giving it all the effort we can. We'd right. be more secretive like women because could you imagine that? Then we have the fart police and they come uh-huh. on. They have a little a little a little uh, meter and they go, Mister Dancer. We have noticed that there have been. Uh, this amount of pressure coming out of your fart factory here, and we're going to have to shut you down. I mean, it is, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous. It's absolutely hilarious because it's so the dumb. Sniff police. Well, and, and I was, um, I was listening to a Jordan Peterson uh, talking about this and he's saying that well, a scientist was on there and he wasn't a wacko. He was a scientist. And he said that the earth is greener now than it has ever been in the history of the earth. He said, they, they, there's deserts where there's more stuff growing. He says, and part of it is because there's more carbon in the air because the plants feed off of carbon. So they're growing more. And so, so this, this whole thing is just like a, a, a twisted mess. And um, I, I had to stunt, just chuckle while he was talking about this. But, it, you know, and it's funny because some, some states really buy into it and other states don't. But I think it needs to be. A conversation. The other thing Jordan Peterson was pointing out is that if you really want to do something about carbon um, or, or you know, the climate change, um, you 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 get people out of poverty because people that are poor in India and all over, you know, huge chunks of the world, they have to cut down trees and forests to burn, to cook, to do all this, and they and they're so poor they don't care about the environment. They're they're just caring about living and staying warm, and and research has shown according to this podcast i was listening to peterson research has shown that if you put money into getting people out of poverty if just five thousand dollars if somebody's five thousand dollars that they have that they will they instantly start thinking about better ways of taking care of because they don't need the wood they're not they're not striving to stay alive they all of a sudden care about more about the world around them but we're expecting everybody in the world to respond like us and I'll do carbon credits and we'll take care of all that shit. Well, these people are trying to stay alive. Well, and Eugene may very well be the first city in Oregon to institute uh, bans on natural gas. I know that's crazy. So it's a three-step process. The first one, and this is (laughs) going to be the first one of these steps that the city council will vote on and they will vote on it is banning any new natural gas infrastructure for new residential constructions. That would be homes. That would also be duplexes, uh, you know, triplexes. I think it's uh, any living, if you will, dwelling unit that is under three stories. So ban any new infrastructure. So if you were to build a new home out on River Road, well, if this passes, and you don't get to put uh, gas in. You're building triplexes or duplex or something like that in Eugene, you can't put natural gas in. The next step then, and the city council, I mean, they've been very open about this, 
The second step, it would be the same only on commercial construction. So you build, I don't know, you, you build a strip mall or you build a restaurant or you build, gym. You, you name it. Um, then the third and final phase is to eliminate the use of natural gas in the city of Eugene, whether you've got it or not. Uh, would be so, you know, you've been sitting in a house for the last 30 years and you've got your gas water heater and you've got your gas furnace and you've got your gas stove. Well, then they want you to get rid of it. They're trying to, I, I mean, and Eugene could be the very first city in Oregon to do this. And it looks like probably it's going to end up coming up for a vote either. I would imagine probably because of where we're at the year right now, probably just after the first of the year that this is going to end up coming for a vote. Now, uh, the mayor is hoping to stack uh, the deck by choosing somebody for Ward 7, where Claire Syrett was uh, recalled, to put somebody in that position that's going to vote in favor of it. Matt Kendall says, I think the ban will fail. There's so much pushback I'm seeing around here, but who knows? And then um, Connie says, eWeb has already said they can't handle all the additional electrical. This is what's so phony to me about this whole thing. Thanks, okay, okay, so if you guys, you, you carbon people, um, if, if you really want to do something and, and you're serious and this is really a big issue for you, then let's get nuclear power. It's clean. And how many accidents have there been? One? And hardly and there's been more people die from other from coal and from mining and cancers. And uh, well, you, you know, realize it's safe. illegal in Oregon, right? Huh? Nuclear power is illegal in Oregon. Right. But I'm saying it's a it's clean bad. energy source. And if you want to do something as a, kind of an interesting story. I don't know. If, are you familiar with New Scale? Who? New Scale. Uh-uh. Okay. Educate. So this was a so. Oregon State University, for folks that don't know, has a nuclear reactor. Most folks don't know that, but they do have their own nuclear reactor. And uh, two researchers slash professors from Oregon State University came up with this idea of a scalable nuclear-powered plant. And it's very small, something about the size of a single wide trailer. Really? Could, he, could provide all of the electricity for a city of, I think it's 50 to 75,000 people. And you can scale it up by putting, you know, more of these units because they're all modular where you can scale it up. Thing is, it was created at Oregon State University. It has gotten the final approval by uh, the Department of Energy for use. It was created in Oregon by Oregon professors, and you can't even use it here. Yeah, Tom Hunt says it's for, for around the world people can use this, but just not in Oregon, and it's made here. Yeah, and <laughs> he's absolutely right. But something like that... Um, and the way that it's designed, and I mean, I can't get into the engineering of the thing because I don't quite follow all of it, but supposedly the chance of a supposed meltdown are nil. So, so but it would be interesting to know, so the, the, with natural gas 
and um, and all the other things that are out there, you know, electricity, the impact it has on water. Humans are going to impact. What is the end goal? If it's if it's really to, to stop climate change, then wouldn't you do whatever it took, even if it's like, okay, nuclear, maybe we, we may have some problems in our minds with that, but it does prove out to be safe. It is 100% carbon free. And why don't we go to that? If that's the goal, but see, to me, that's what I don't know what their goal really is, because I don't think it's about reducing carbon because that would reduce carbon and i'll go into another issue here um same with timber like with 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 logging um i read a report where more more carbon was put in the air during the fires um in two years ago and that's that's what three month period then were put in the air in one year from all of the industry and automobiles in the state of oregon so wouldn't it be a good thing to go in and clean up the forest to make sure that we're not throwing all that carbon in there and starting more fires um, and planting more trees because trees are carbon sequesters? Would, I mean, th their message is falling on deaf ears because it's, 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 it's inconsistent. And that's what drives me crazy is the inconsistencies where it does not make sense. There's nothing sensical about this. I don't know. At times, it almost makes me believe that the end goal is everyone being subsistence farmers and living in mud huts. You know what, to, to me, Bill, just from listening to more stuff, I'll just be radical. I don't care. I think the end goal is they think there's too many people on the earth and we need to get rid of some. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they're, they're going to kill poor people. This, this is going to kill the poorest of the poor in India, in places like Africa. Um, they barely even have power. I, I was listening to a report and it was saying how much one American on like a television set uses more power than one person in Africa in an entire day. <laughs> you know, I mean, in a, in a, in a basic village. And, and we're sitting here uh, preaching this whole thing at people and asking people who are super poor to buy into some program where don't use wood anymore. Don't do this. You know, I mean, and, and, and they don't understand. I sit here in Montana and I watch train loads of coal rushing by like this. Well, that's used to create energy and electricity. And those people that are wanting to plug their power station in, you don't do it unless you have dams or coal or natural gas that's creating energy that creates electricity. It's like they don't do their homework. They need to understand where this is coming. And now you're going to try to outlaw natural gas. Well, they're already trying to breach the dams on the Snake River, which are a part of the BPA. So you're going to have less electricity generated by the BPA. So as you try to, quote, electrify the grid, uh, where are you going to get all of that extra power from? You're going to have to get it from the open market. And what is the open market doing? Right. Well, you're going to be getting it from people that are producing electricity through natural gas, coal, etc. Right. But as long as we're not just kind of like the, you know, Biden's whole theme on um, oil, as long as we're not drilling here, it doesn't matter if they're drilling other places, because it's not like we're on the same earth. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. We, we just want to make sure we look good and we sound good instead of everybody. So that's what I think. That's why I think it's all horseshit, that it's not really about climate change it's about something else and i don't know exactly what that is but i i think it's time that people start standing up to this i bet i'll never get this show to to be boost we try to boost things bill yeah. and if we have anything controversial then they um they they won't let us boost it they won't let us pay to boost it because it's fake news <laughs> 
I'm hoping Elon Musk and his what he's doing with Twitter will roll over into Facebook and make them have to do something too. So well, I don't know. Who's to say that Facebook is even here in three to four years? Is what? I said who's to say that Facebook is even here in three to four years? Yeah. Oh, I, I think they're they're already you'd watch. They're and we see numbers on here and every, other social media things is driving up. So people are tired of it. I mean, they're just tired of the manipulation. And um, so one last question. So I understand that um, I know saw that where the CDC is recommending uh, everybody put masks back on. How are things in Oregon? Um, I haven't seen many here in Montana, but how are things going in Oregon with that? Uh, well, there's been a couple of health departments that are asking you know could you could you please wear a mask uh the oregon health authority has suggested that it would be a good idea if people put their masks back on um what do i think is going to happen there i think we have to wait and see what happens after tina kotek is sworn in after the first of the year because do you i my gut says to me, even, I mean, I know there's, you know, a, a percentage of people, especially there, you know, that are just still feel like even though all the research is coming out and saying it, it, it wasn't, they're still feeling this is a way we can, we can help and stop this stuff. Because I have to get people, you know, throwing it on me. But I think there would be so much pushback in Oregon. It's like, we are not going back to that bullshit again. Well, there are some people that would. I mean, you still, I was in Bymart a little bit earlier and walking around in there, there's still people that are more than, that are wearing masks. So I would imagine that probably you're going to get a percentage of the population that will say, okay, I'll mask back up. Uh, I would agree with you that the majority of the population would likely say, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm and done with just this. for the record, I, I don't care if people mask or not. And the nice thing in Montana is you look at somebody in a mask and you figure, you know, you probably have a relative at home or you have a, you're susceptible. But I never felt that in Oregon. I'd get that look and people coming up and going, murderer, put on your mask. It's like it's just like this whole virtue thing that drives me crazy. So I, if people want to wear them, I don't care. But just keep your nose out of my business. And just like the DEQ, you don't get to know where I'm driving, when I'm parking, what I'm doing. Just I don't want any more government interference. <laughs> God, that's, Bill. That's insane. Thank you so much for um, updating me. I can't wait to go out and share this with my wife while we eat dinner going, honey, guess what now what's going on in Oregon? The oh, DEQ. And then natural gas. And then I just sit there, you know, hey, if we could get natural gas and those farts in the same thing, maybe, you know what? That's what we could do. Create a machine that, that turns farts into, because that's the true natural gas, into something. And, and in Eugene, they can try it. Everybody with their, they can, you know, eat lots of beans and stuff and just watch the power grid go crazy. And then they'll have stations where you have to go line up. Okay, Rick, it is your day to come in and fart. So you've got to come and power up the city. You've got to have some sort of balloon diaper on with a catcher <laughs> on it and tubes and stuff. And it has a little monitor that tells them. The people, then they could virtue signal. Could you see that, Bill? Here, here's this. They're rocking around. Oh, Rick, you were farting so much today. Good for you. You are a Good, good boy. You have really helped the carbon footprint by farting in the bag and lighting the city, the city hall in downtown Eugene. Yeah, at <laughs> least you made your quota. Congratulations. 
<laughs> hey, Bill, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. And thanks for the laugh. <laughs> yep, no problem. Take See care, you. Rick. Uh, Bye-bye. Uh, Tom, yeah, I saw your uh, comment on here. Dairies are already doing that. Yeah, they were doing that. Uh, there's a dairy out in Junction City that was doing that for a while, built a whole facility and uh, was using methane from the uh, cow shit to, to turn it into energy. And they were actually doing enough to light um, a, a, a small city at the time, but I can't remember what happened. I mean, if they're still doing that, but yeah, we could all um, take everybody and um, have all the humans go uh, down to the city of Eugene and have a big place where you could just unload and <laughs> let them go for it. That was Gibson Farms. You're right. Yeah. Cause I did a story on it. They used to work for me. Oh no. What did, what did Anna say? Oh my God, you, you and my husband, he's already been talking about fart energy. I'm telling you what, I'm going to start my own fart energy company. I'm going to call it big gas, <laughs> big gas energy. We'll have a theme song and everything. Oh, how things deteriorate. So we want to, um, I want to show you two things real quick before we go. Um, Tim and May with beef, uh, beef free MD. Sometimes I have to remember and think about that. Um, they have a new show coming up and you're going to want to hear this one. So listen. Hi, Rick. Thanks for having us back again. And this week on our podcast, we have an, um, a really good interview with an Oregon pediatrician, Dr. Paul Thomas. He's been on our show before and is back to give us a little update on his situation. Why don't you tell us about that, Tim? Yes, uh, Paul had the temerity to actually question the childhood. I don't want to say the word because I don't want to get Rick in trouble. It starts with V and it requires needles and it has a schedule. And he questioned that schedule um, based on actually looking at his own patients and the difference between the V children versus the non-V children. Needless to say, this caused quite a stir because he wrote a book about it and uh, ended up getting his license summarily removed by the state of Oregon in four days. Yeah, that's a really horrible when he Story, had no he, uh, updates this on no patient complaints so if you're very interested in medical censorship and in some of the pediatric science behind his theories this is the episode for you and it does end on a bit more of a positive note because we also threw in some little tips and tricks on uh, how to take care of your kids with cold flu season as well as croup rsv and how to tackle things like fever, hydration, etc. So there's that little bit at the end. So you can check out our show on any podcast platform, Spotify, iTunes. And remember, if you want to watch us in person, check out us uh, on Rumble for the full video interview. See you next time. All right. Thanks, Tim and May. And one more of our clients that's uh, sponsoring our show tonight. I'm going to bring them on real quick here. Just a second. Hold on. Um, I, uh, Anna, I saw your comment on Farce RS, um, and I am laughing deeply. Um, we also want to thank our sponsor, um, um, Albert Taylor, Endless Possibilities. And joining us is John and Peggy Devereaux. Um, yeah. they, are, they are part of the Albert Taylor gang. Yes. <laughs> How long have you guys been with Albert Taylor? Peggy. Oh, oh, I can't remember. I can't remember either. Since the early 80s? In the 80s, so we couldn't do anything without Josh. 
Well, you could do a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, but Josh takes us uh, to Wendy's. Thrift shopping. Grocery shopping. You know, I mean, and honestly, uh, they they see the best in people, you know, and um, and people tend to see the best in them. You know, they're honestly some of the most accepting and friendly people that I know. Right. So if you're looking for an opportunity to help people and get a new job, start a new career, Albert Taylor, go on their website, just look under jobs. They'll tell you what they're looking for and everything. All right. I want to thank you guys. Share this on your page so other people can see it because uh, Bill's offering you some real good information. So is Brian with the weather. Um, tomorrow night, I have a great show for you. Um, uh, Kathy and I are going to Missoula, so I've got tape shows for tomorrow. They're not live, but they're um, awesome topics. So I got a guy tomorrow who's out of Lapine, Oregon, and he makes marbles. But it's more than that. He also hides these marbles and does scavenger hunts for people that you go on his website and you can find them. But it's even bigger than that. And that kind of unfolds as we're doing the interview, because uh, I knew nothing about him except that he made marbles. And he sent me some videos so I can show you how he does it. But then as he kept talking, I kept doing, I just, it was, what I love about this is it's what I do. I sent something was there and I dug a little and we got there and it's absolutely going to charm your pants off. It is so great. <clears throat> it's a really great interview. And then on Thursday, um, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago, I had a dancer, a local cowboy uh, from Townsend, Montana on the show. And you guys liked him so much. You said you should go interview him. So I did a full 40 minute interview with Dancer and he has great advice, great story, a great cattle roundup that he did uh, years ago. Um, it was so uh, it, it, it's old fashioned advice that's coming back. And I think you're going to really enjoy it. It's kind of the things that we really want to start doing more. Um, so I think you'll like that. That's Thursday night. So tell your friends, post it on your page and all that kind of stuff. And, um, I will be back live on Monday with Dr. Bratlin. He's going to join me and we're going to do a, uh, freestyle and, um, and then we'll be filling you in next week on the weather for that snow possibly coming to Oregon and that cold, bitter cold coming here to Montana and Idaho. And, uh, we'll get you all settled and taken care of. I appreciate your um, audience, uh, you guys come and showing up, and of course we appreciate our uh, our uh, our, our uh, sponsors. And if you guys are a business and you want to sponsor us, um, I came up with some new plans. So uh, we have a, a reduced rate. It's called uh, I have three plans. One is uh, I'll have to tell you. Hold on, let me get my, let me pull them up here for you because um, I'm kind of happy about this. Here's my sponsorship programs, and they are down into just a few hundred dollars on some of them. We're trying to make it affordable since the government won't. So my first program is called the Inflation Reduction Package. Um, and the second one is Build Back Better. And the third is Make My Business Great Again. <laughs> So we have three different levels you can sponsor at. And one is just, you know, under like 300 bucks. One's 300 and then one goes up to 500 and then they go up a little bit from there. Uh, so if you're interested, you're somebody who's out there and you want to support what we do, uh, but also uh, get some attention because we're reaching, I think today I saw it was over 325,000 accounts um, in a month. Um, and we've been up to 2.3 million. Just depends on how Facebook feels about my content, but I'm not going to let them push me around. So anyway, but if you know someone who does want to do something like that, um, get them involved, get them involved with what we're doing. We'd love to have them on board for the new year. All right. We'll talk to you guys next week, but you'll see me tomorrow and the night after that. I'm not going, uh, I mean, I'm going, but you know what I mean?